What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Heated Rivals podcast. I'm Zach Durkin, and with me, as always, is the quarterback for Bishop Sycamore High School out of Canton, Ohio, Sean Robinson. <laughs> How did you find out, Zach? Listen, lefty, lefty, I put, I just put it together. And joining us again for the third time, he's just kind of here at this point, Jordan Durkin is back. Let's fucking go. Jordan was actually uh, my running back in that game. Um, didn't really put up a good showing, so uh, we're going to have to go back to the old uh, chalkboard and maybe reevaluate our entire season. I honestly thought they were going to lose by more than 58. After the report came out, I was like, okay, how didn't they lose by 100? Well... Let's just clue uh, the listeners in. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about in reference to Bishop Sycamore, they were supposedly supposed to be a high school football team who was going up against a well-known high school powerhouse in IMG Academy. They somehow finessed their way to play this game against them. Uh, ESPN televised it, and let's just say it was... uh, not a very good showing for those boys up at uh, Bishop Sycamore, mm-hmm. no, which, which was... really isn't even an actual school. It's not, and I think that's crazy how they were able to finesse. I mean, some of the guys had fake recruiting pages on their football pa- on their football team page, and some of the guys were JUCO college players that didn't really pan out. But it's just insane how they let that happen. Yeah, I, I just I don't understand. Hey man, if it makes me money in the betting leagues, then I'm down for it. Uh, you, I didn't you, hear anything. Can you bet on high school football? If you could, be. just not by the books. That just, should be illegal. I mean, you're right. <clears throat> it's you like little to, league betting. You you got to be some kind of degenerate to bet on uh, high school football. I it? never said I was a good person, Sean. <laughs> are those same degenerates the ones that bet on preseason football? Or are those are the next step up or down? Yo, why uh, isn't the Sean Watson join them? <laughs> Holy Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you really took it there, huh? We weren't even going to talk about Deshaun Watson today. It is a quarterback's episode, though. That's what I heard. That is correct, Jordan. This is going to be our last Heated Rivals Top 10 episode regarding the football season. It's a Heated Rivals Top 10 list. And this week, the moment we've all been waiting for, we're going to break down our top 10 quarterbacks going into the 2021 NFL season. Yes, we are, Zach Durkin. And our lists are going to make some people very upset, I think. I think... Um, these guys, I don't want to say we we uh, took these guys out of left field because that's definitely not the case. Like when we do these lists, we take into account a bunch of different factors, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. I know for my list personally, I looked at a lot of guys who were definitely on the younger side. Um, you know, I still have my established veterans in there too, but I would looked at upside for years to come. I've obviously took into account the way they played earlier in the career because I don't think I have a rookie in my top 10 but um uh, it's hard to have a rookie in your top 10 they haven't played an NFL game yet yeah exactly so you're definitely not going to see Trevor Lawrence or anything crazy like that it just might my placement of some guys might piss some people off but uh we'll get into that as we go well what's what's entertainment without some controversy right exactly and for the first time for this list Jordan has his own top 10 that he'll be sharing with us I did all the homework, guys. And are you? Are you prepared? Are you prepared? Because we're we're well, as prepared as I'm ever gonna be. All right. That's what we like to hear. So, uh, why don't we get things started off, Sean? You want to read us your top ten list? You want yes. me to start? You want Jordan to start? Actually, you know what? 
I think you should start first, Zach. Okay. You never, you never go first. So I, w- I want you to kick yours off. Well, you know, I got to make sure I, uh, not me- doing the first to mess up. So my top 10 going down from 10 to one is going to start with Kyler Murray at number 10. Number nine is going to be Justin Herbert. Number eight, hate to say it, but Dak Prescott. Number seven is going to be Lamar Jackson. My number six is Russell Wilson. Five, might surprise some people, got some pushback already from the guys that I'm talking with here, Matthew Stafford. Number four, Tom Brady. Number three, Josh Allen. Number two, Patrick Mahomes. And number one, Aaron Rodgers. Whoa, all right. So already throwing a twist into things because I think a lot of people's consensus number one overalls, including my own, would have been Patrick Mahomes. Um, The man is just a magician. I know uh, he kind of got beat up in the Super Bowl last year, but uh, he's... He's just a wizard. So I'll actually go from 1 to 10 uh, with my rankings. And then I guess, Jordan, you can rattle off I'll yours. I'll go from 5 to 10 and then to <laughs> and then And then 4 to 1. Yeah, <laughs> so, so let, I'll, I'll start off. Um, my number one guy is obviously Patrick Mahomes. Number two, I have Aaron Rodgers. Number three, great minds think alike, I have Josh Allen. Number four... I do have Russell Wilson, uh, definitely a guy you could probably see a little higher on this list if he plays a little bit better or could potentially see him fall down this list if he stays on the trajectory that he was towards the end of the season. But we'll get into that. Uh, number five, Dak Prescott. And I'll get into why I have Dak Prescott at number five. Uh, number six, I have Lamar Jackson. Number seven, Father Time himself, Tom Brady. Number eight, I got Justin Herbert. Number nine, Ryan Tannehill. Definitely doesn't get enough love. And number 10, I do have your boy Matthew Stafford. So I thought I was going to be able to make an argument for him at 10. thought people might push back on me having him so high, but you've literally taken that, Zach, and you've gone five steps ahead. So Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But Jordan, why don't you tell us your list? I'm going to be going 10 to 1. You know, got to build up that anticipation. I have Dak Prescott at number 10. At number 9, I have Matt Stafford. Number eight, I have Justin Herbert. Seven, Lamar Jackson. Six, Kyla Murray. Five, Aaron Rodgers. Four, Josh Allen. Three, Tom Brady. Two, Russell Wilson. And then one, Patrick Mahomes. Wow. That's, okay. There's some disparity in that one. Yeah. I, I, like, I like it, though. Yeah. I like Jordan's list. That was, <clears throat> that was interesting. We have a lot to talk about. So, being as though it's the hot topic that we're going to start off with, I think Matthew Stafford is a good jumping point for us. Yes, I think so as well, because we all put him on our list, and you know we all have him in different spots. I guess me and Jordan have him in similar spots, him at 9 and me at 10. But honestly, guys, I think we all have the same thinking here that he's going to have a breakout season with LA. Yeah, and that's why I have him ranked at 5th. Honestly, I'm a big believer in certain quarterbacks need a little more help than others. Um, the Lions are notoriously known for never putting any help around their long-term franchise players. Now, Calvin Johnson, all right, you got him a quarterback in Matthew Stafford. What else have they done for him? Absolutely nothing. You, you can even go back as far as Barry Sanders. Yeah, they never they never really built the line around Calvin or Matthew when they were there together, and that was really the downfall of those two. Or the defense, really, because they would put up 30-something points a game and still wind up losing. Yeah. It was actually insane, but... Here's why I think Matthew Stafford is going to have a breakout year. I think that the Rams are head and shoulders, maybe even torso, waist, knees, and ankles better than the Lions will ever, ever were. 
Roster-wise, coaching-wise, I think that Matthew Stafford is in the perfect situation with Sean McVay. I think they have weapons on the outside. They have a decent running game, a good offensive line, and a stellar defense. It's it's not going to surprise me this year, Zach, if Matthew Stafford throws for like 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. Matthew Stafford could definitely take him to the Super Bowl. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And like you said... Pairing him with Sean McVay was just a match made in heaven. If Sean McVay can turn Jared Goff into a Pro Bowl player, because we all know how bad baby hands Jared Goff is, I'm super excited to see what he can do with Matthew Stafford with a quarterback in which that he's finally gets that gunslinging mentality that Sean McVay's always wanted. Um you know, it, they took a little bit of a hit in that offense, losing their top two running backs, Cam Akers, for the season. And Daryl Henderson's not really healthy. But, I, like I said, I, I have the utmost confidence in Sean McVay to turn that around. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at Jared Goff and you say he didn't really do any of the heavy lifting that was really a Todd Gurley-led team. But he still made the players around him look decent. Like, you got Tyler Higbee. I think you mentioned him in your top ten or your honorable mentions or something like that. Um, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. I think that those players will elevate their game because they're going to have a quarterback like Stafford slinging the ball to them consistently. Now, injuries have been a bit of an issue for Matt Stafford, but I think that was more to due to the fact that he's getting absolutely rocked on almost every play. Now, it's not like, you know, he's, God forbid, tearing a ligament here and there. He's breaking bones because he's getting hit hard. One of the really uh, memorable ones that I could think of was against the Browns. Pretty much broke his clavicle came in, stayed in, and delivered the game-winning touchdown pass. That's the kind of toughness and mentality that you that it takes to be a quarterback at this level. So that mixed with the situation that he's in currently with McVay and that offense, I think it could bode really well for him, and he can have that breakout year that he's been waiting almost 13 years for. I, can, I agree. I think, like I said before, he could definitely take him to the Super Bowl, and he was on Detroit in 2020, and he did still average 4,000 yards, over 4,000 yards. With a Detroit team that I don't think is really that good. And Galladay missed most of the season. I think he only played in three games that year. Yeah, so, you know, definitely big things for Stafford. I just, I was very surprised to see you put him in your top five. So you're, so pretty much what you're telling me is you're, you're predicting like an, almost an MVP-esque type year out of him. I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but just because I have, you know, a couple other guys that are probably going to play better than him. Like I think I said earlier in the pod that Josh Allen was my MVP prediction. You still got guys like Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes, so it's going to be tough for him to beat out those guys, but I think that if he plays the way that he's capable of playing, he can take them to the Super Bowl. Okay, interesting. Very interesting. Um, Another guy that you have on your list who I don't have on mine is Kyler Murray, and I think he's a very polarizing topic. I think, Jordan, you also had him on your list as well. Pretty high, actually. I did, and because I'm going strictly off of his stats, and he's on, he's been on my fantasy team for the past two seasons, and he's always put up numbers. All right, so so your your list is a little bit more geared towards fantasy, would you say? I put the stats in, plus I kind of like did the research on like how they do, because like you could look at a quarterback and judge him strictly off stats, but if you do that, you would also have to factor in the losses of the games, whereas fantasy just gives you that. Straight statistical. Straight points, like, yeah. you throw an interception, it fucks you up. But you don't want to do that. That's no, not the point. I hear you. And I am i don't want to say that, like, I don't think he's going to be a top 10 quarterback in his career. But as of right now, with all the guys that are still currently in the league, I think Kyler Murray just misses the cut for me. 
the reason I had him on my list was because, like Daniel Jones per se, this is kind of one of those make or break years for Kyler Murray. Now, yeah, he's been good, but he hasn't gotten to that next level that people think that he could have been as a number one pick in the draft. When you got guys like DeAndre Hopkins and AJ Green, James Conner, Chase Edmonds, I mean, some of those latter guys aren't really big names anymore, but it's a pretty potent offense if you look at it. The offensive line is pretty good. The defense is actually took a hit losing Patrick Peterson, but how much of a really hit is it? Because he really wasn't playing that great at the end of his career. Um, but he's got to start being that dynamic player that everyone thinks he could be. I mean, he put up almost 4,000 yards last year, had a 68.9 QBR, though. So, yeah, he can run. He's exciting. But you've only seen spurts of it, really. He hasn't done it consistently. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say that his height plays into it because I really don't think that is the issue with him. I just think it's more so of decision-making. I think um, he leaves the pocket way too often, and it's just something he needs to get better at. I mean, he's... I'm not saying that he's not effective in using his feet. You're because... just saying he's out of pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess a little. He's he just out like of pocket a, a little too quickly. Looks like a five-year-old when he runs. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> He's almost like bow-legged. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty comical. Not going to lie. It's kind of fucked up, but it is what it is. But the reason I have him up is in my list is because I think the potential is there. He just got to put it together in his third year. I think he could, but one guy who I just felt like wasn't getting enough love, who I just had to throw in my top 10, was Ryan Tannehill. Yes, that Ryan Tannehill, the one who was an ex-Texas A&M Aggie, go Aggies, uh, converted wide receiver, ex-Miami Dolphin, that Ryan Tannehill. Um, If you haven't been paying attention to Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee, you need to because he's been borderline like a top five quarterback in the league for the last two years or since he's, you know, I think he took over that team like, what, in the middle of 2019? Something like that. Something like that. But since he's come into the league, or since he's come back into the league as a starter, he's just been absolutely phenomenal. I know a lot of people want to say he's aided by the running prowess of Derrick Henry. You know, he's been able to flourish off the play action, but he's still fantastic. He still has a, like a 90, I think it's like a 93 over, a 90.3 overall offensive rating, which is top five in the NFL. His passer rating is a little as a tick below that at eighty five point three, and then he has a ninety one overall run grade. All right, and I mean, Ryan Tannehill is by no means a scrub. I mean, he'd probably be in my honorable mentions, but I think because of the reasons you just mentioned, he's not held to a higher standard or a regard. I think that some people will give him benefit of the doubt, but you're right. He has the best running back in the league with the top three offensive line in the league, and you add Julio Jones to AJ Brown, who's had Corey Davis, who's not bad, but he's not Julio Jones. I think that he's making the most of everything that he has, man. I mean, can you blame the guy for having all those weapons? I mean, he didn't have Julio last year. He had Corey Davis, who he got. He He's the reason why Corey Davis got paid, because Corey Davis was severely underperforming like from the moment he stepped into the league. And then as soon as Ryan Tannehill became his quarterback and Corey Davis got semi-healthy, Corey Davis leaves and gets paid by the Jets. Well, they also had A.J. Brown, who took a lot of the attention away from Corey Davis. But I'm not saying that he's, you know, not good. I'm saying that the reason he's not held to a higher regard is because of the reasons you mentioned with Henry and the weapons and the line and all the stuff aiding him. I think if he did a little bit more by himself, like when he was in Miami, you can't really judge that because you had offensive genius Adam Gase at the helm. (laughs) So you can't really go too much based off that, but... You're right. Since he went to the Titans, he's been a lot much of a better player. But I think that system fits him. I think they run the ball a lot more than Miami did. But that's not a knock on him. No, definitely not. 
I'm looking at his time in Miami, though. From 2013 to, I believe, 2015, he had over 4,000 passing yards. Didn't Almost. See, well, 2013, he had 3,900, but I'm rounding that up to about 4,000. Yeah, so he was still always a, a productive quarterback. I mean, he wasn't the but most he, accurate. I'm sorry to cut you off, though, but his touchdowns, though, 2013-24, 2014-27, and 2015-24, those were like... he's. This is the only year where he had over 30 touchdowns. So he had, he's like Josh Allen in my mind where he has to... You need to see it one more time in the All touchdown right. area. That's fair. I, I, I can, I can respect that argument that you want to see a little bit more. I think you know, like I said, since he's taken over as a starter in 2019, he's been productive, and we just kind of have to give him his due. Yeah, he's up to up to this point in his career, he's been like a game manager. Let's see if he can take the next step to be a top ten quarterback. Get those touchdowns up, and I think you do break the top ten. But that. Having only one season really doesn't do it for me. All right, that's fair. I can, I can, I can respect that. So let's see what he does this year. Um, another guy I think we should talk about as potentially being able to move up this list even higher uh, is Justin Herbert. Uh, I have him as my eighth ranked quarterback. I definitely could see him by year's end potentially sneaking up somewhere in that like six five four range. No, I like Justin Herbert. He was going to be a future giant until. He decided to stay at Oregon. Oh, you almost had it. You gotta be quicker than that. He broke the rookie record for most touchdown passes in a season. Very impressive. But like a lot of rookie quarterbacks, they often see a sophomore slump. Now, I do have him in my top 10 because I don't think he's going to see that. I think he's going to be the outlier. So I do agree with you that he will probably make his way into the top five if he continues at this trajectory that he's at right now. We just got to see if the players around him can stay healthy. The Chargers do right by him by getting the offensive line right. And if he can keep that same ability that teams are not going to really so much game plan because they're not really expecting it in their rookie year. so And, I mean, he's got the team doctor on his side. so I mean, Herbert reminds me of, like, he has, like, the, physic- the physicality of, you know, Josh Allen, but he's, like, faster or smoother, if, if that makes any sense. I just feel like his game is more fluid than Josh's. And I love Josh Allen. I have him ranked third on my list. You know what I mean? But that's, like, kind of who I compare him to. Um, and you look at everything that Herbert has around him, he's really just set up so well uh, to succeed again this year that it's kind of hard to see him not having just as good of a year, if not better, than it was last year. You know, he has Keenan Allen, who's healthy this year. Uh, Austin Eckler is presumably going to be healthy again this year. Um, and they solidify the offensive line by going out and get Rashawn Slater in the first round. So all those things for me add up to another successful season for Justin Herbert and his physical talents alone can just take him into another place, potentially even to that like top tier of quarterbacks at the end of the season. Yeah. Jude would definitely love to hear you say that, but um, no, Justin Herbert's going to be all right. I think the only thing that could hold Justin Herbert back is the chargers. Bad luck. They well, have some really bad luck. That just happens to the chargers every some year. Bad juju and you don't want bad juju. No, you don't want bad juju. So let's try to keep all the bad juju away from the chargers because Justin Herbert is potentially very special. Yeah, no, you'd definitely love to see him continue at this pace. But you're not going to escape us so easily, Sean. Did you really think that we'd let you get this far without mentioning Dak in your top five? Cowboys bias. Oh, no, this is no Cowboys bias, sir. This, this is These, these are straight facts, homie. I, I was a little disappointed to see you put Dak at 10. Over Dak is a 10. 
you're, you're lucky he even made the top ten with what you did to my Steelers schedule. <laughs> I, I I knew this was only just some retribution for me dissing the Steelers this no, year. No, it's not retribution. It's just the fact that he can't stay healthy. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? This, this whole preseason I've heard, yeah, Dak is dealing with minor injuries here and there. Like, come on. All right. I'm going to let you guys in a little secret. Here, okay, a little Cowboys insider secret. Ooh, Sean has the goods. There's this magical thing called gamesmanship that I think the Cowboys have been playing all along because they post videos of Dak throwing and stuff, and he looks fine to me. Like, I don't see anything wrong with him. I don't, I'm not a doctor, but I don't foresee his shoulder being an issue. My biggest worry was that ankle. And by all accounts, his ankle's 100% healed. And he looks, honestly, better than he ever has. And from the pace that he was on last year, and from what I know he can do, and from how much he means to our team, I just think it's all going to come together this year for him. And he's fi- like he'll stay healthy. There was a, a fluke injury last year, and he'll be able to take us where we need to go. So as a Cowboy insider, Sean, you would probably have the answer to this question. What do the Cowboys have to gain by this gamesmanship of oh. saying that he's hurt, but we're not really hurt? Oh, because then it's, it's 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 a game planning thing. Because let's just say that Tampa Bay doesn't think that Dak's fully healthy. Let's say they think that, oh, we'll be able to just, you know, stack the box. And maybe we'll just try to beat the Cowboys by beating Ezekiel Elliott. That's fine. We've seen Dak go out and win games with his arm before. He's done it. He did it a couple times last year when he had to he had one win last year before he, he broke his i said half. when he had to you said a couple when of he games absolutely though. had to i'm saying in his career a you said last years. year it sounds like this gamesmanship is just lying to opponents and tricking them that doesn't seem very fair that's gamesmanship that's I, nfl gamesmanship they they do that all the time to lie to the fans too like yeah they know do how you're starting quarterback nfl is. nfl franchises lie to fans all the time yeah, that's but not, not anything new. Not about injuries, you know. There's yes, they do. They do it all the time. The players lie to the organization, and that's why they think. You know, I just noticed, Sean, your voice gets very high when you are making an argument. Yeah, I mean, you guys have always known that about me, though. But like, that's not anything new, Zach. You could account for that. NFL franchises lie to their fans, or don't tell the truth to their fans about a lot of things. Well, but listen, I think as a Giants fan, I was told four years ago that the offensive line would be fixed. Well. <laughs> and then here we are, here we four are. years later. So but, you, you but get where I'm coming from with lo- that. I mean, I don't know if going to that extent is something that I've heard of, but that's, teams teams lie. But I don't I don't know about that's that. When, that's why, like, it's weird to say that they're lying about Dak's injury. Like, it's usually like, oh, he's healthy. That's what the people want to lie. But about. have you guys have you guys are, have now known that they've come out and said that he's fine and he's going to be ready to play? And like, there never was an issue. They never had a doubt that he would be ready to play for week one. I mean, the only issue was whether or not he was going to play in the preseason. It never was whether he was going to be ready to play against Tampa. The only report that I heard was that he might not be 100% all season, but we're spending way too much time on his injuries when we really should be talking about what makes him a top 10 quarterback. Yes, um, you're right. We went off on a tangent a little bit there. But I just think with what we saw from him last year, I know the defense was horrible and the offense early in games would put them in bad positions, but Dak still had to get his team out of those bad positions. And I know I mentioned this in an earlier podcast and things got a little bit uh, heated between me and Zach, but with the exception of that Cleveland game, every other game they played in last year, 
was a one-score game. He was able to bring them back from whatever deficit they were down, whether it was fucking 15 against Seattle, 20-something against Atlanta, albeit thanks to a watermelon kick, and Atlanta being just idiots. He was still able to bring them back, and he was playing at a ridiculous level. Once he was able to get into the groove of the game and, you know, get the offense going. So, again, I'm believing that he's going to stay healthy this year, and with the offensive talent alone, he should be able to throw for at least 40 touchdowns. No, I could I could probably see that. You're going to have to hope that Zeke gets his, too, because if he's throwing 40 touchdown passes, Zeke's going to not get the rushing touchdowns and all that kind of stuff, but he might be involved in the passing. But um, honestly, if Dak comes back healthy, I could definitely put him higher, but those reports are still reports, but... I'd like to see him come out and play well before I put him higher on my list. That's fair. Can't argue with that. But I just don't want to see people that just completely dismiss Dak Prescott as a top five, let alone a top ten. You know what I mean? He's stamped top ten in the league. I don't think you... To put him anywhere outside of the top ten is just actually just disrespectful, and you're not actually watching. So, right. Well, let's move on to another potential top five quarterback in the league. The ageless man himself, Tom Brady. He's got all of his weapons coming back. We're going to not really spend too much time on this because it's really easy to talk about the GOAT. Um, he's got all of his players coming back from his offense and defense. It's going to be interesting to see if they can make another Super Bowl run with the same team. Um, I don't see why not. Tom Brady is ageless. He has not faltered at any point in his play over the course of his career. So what do you guys think? Yeah, I am I refuse to doubt Tom Brady anymore. Um, and I actually think it was the first time ever that a team was able to retain all 22 starters from a Super Bowl team in the previous year. Um, so he's literally doing things that we've never seen before. You know he had an influence on making sure all those guys stayed together. So, yeah, uh, Tom Brady at four for me is not out of the realm of possibility. I have him at seven just because I like the younger guys a little bit better. But that's just personal preference for me. You, you can't go wrong with Papa Tom. No, nah, you really can't. So We're He's gonna... had his best season since, I believe, the 2017 season with New England. And that is, like, tied for, like, third. Or, like, he's had, like, four seasons where he's been, like, really good. His best season was probably 07, 08. Yeah. Yeah, but... and this is, like, he almost, like, reached that number again. Yeah, even after having a slow start to the year. Yeah. So. I mean, just to close that this argument out, Tom Brady put up 4,600 yards and 40 touchdowns last year at the age of 43. So, don't be surprised if he hits 45 and, at age 44. So, well, we'll see what that. But um, the next person that I want to talk about is a guy who's been in the league for a little while, kind of caught the attention of a lot of people early in his career. That's Russell Wilson. Jordan, I know that you have him too. I have him sixth. I think Sean has him fourth. Um, I like Russell Wilson. I think he's a great quarterback, but I think that they need to help him out a little more, kind of like how the Lions didn't do with Stafford. After they gave him that big contract, they had no money left over to sign other guys to give him any help. I mean, the offense is primarily throw it up to DK Metcalf or throw it up to Tyler Lockett. The offensive line is probably bottom three in the league for the last five years. Here's my argument, Jordan. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off real quick. I want to make this one point about Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is a top three quarterback talent in the league. But his game, like his play the last couple years has kind of been the reason why, like, the Seahawks have been held back a little bit. If you go and look at some of his like sack totals, he's like second in the league at taking sacks. Is that to, his fault though? Uh, I mean, I listen, listen, I hear you. Line. I hear you. And I'm going to combat you with the stat that's saying uh, he had the second most time in the pocket amongst any other quarterbacks and all their dropbacks. So 
with that being said, he's ha- he has enough time to make the throws in theory. He's just either A, leaving the pocket too uh, too quickly or staying in the pocket too long and creating sacks. Maybe so, his receivers aren't getting open either. You know, that's a possibility. I mean, you have Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, two borderline top 15, top 20 wide receivers in the league. But if you go into that thinking that, then isn't every other team going to think? Like hey, defenses let's are going to cover these guys up. Defenses are going to key Chris, on those guys. They had Chris Carson in their run game. The Seahawks were always known for their run game. But their offensive line and the run protection wasn't always great. So they, they got really... guys around. They Listen. Listen, I hear what you guys are saying, but they they had they've they've tried to build the offense around what Russell Wilson does. My point is that sometimes Russell Wilson tries to do too much and he ends up being the reason why things don't work out. That's all I'm saying. That, which is why I think later on in the season we saw his play kind of decrease. Because it was obvious. I mean, early on in the season he was solidified as he was an like, MVP, the MVP candidate. candidate, right? And then once the end of the season came along, he wasn't really doing very much. I, I think that's more something you could chalk up to. The teams found out how to stop the Seahawks by keying on DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I mean, just because it's the only Seahawks game I watched all year, it was a Giants game, they didn't run the ball on us. We locked up DK and Tyler Lockett, and we won that game. Didn't know how we won that game, but that's essentially how. And I have him ranked sixth. Jordan, you have him ranked second, so you obviously have a lot of stock in him going into the season. Yeah. Judging by what you're all saying, you think that he took a step back. Right? Yes. That is, well, not that Zach, but I'm talking about Sean. Sean, you think that he I have him ranked lower back. than Sean. I would agree with that too. <laughs> you yeah. would agree with it too. So knowing that he's, you thinking that he's ruining, like the Seahawks, not ruining, but like taking a step back. He had the most yards he's had since 2016, and he only had less than that by six yards. All right. I mean, 40 touchdowns. That could be attributed to the lack of running game as of late season, and him having to throw the ball a lot more in losing situations, but. My point is my point about Russell Wilson is that he could be even better if he stopped trying to do too much is my point. Like they want to let Russ cook, that's fine. Russ can cook. Russ just needs to be able to cook within the confines of what he's able to actually do. You know what I mean? I still think he's capable of extending plays though. No, I'm not saying that he can't. Like do I don't that. think that him trying to to do too much is the reason why the Seahawks aren't like as good as the Legion of Boom days. I don't think Russell Wilson is the reason that the Seahawks aren't good, is I think the point that it's being, trying to be made here. I think that there are a lot of other issues with the Seahawks that Russell Wilson, yeah, maybe he could play better, but I don't think he's the reason that they're not successful as, a, as of late. Listen, they added a couple guys in free agency to, to really shore up that offensive line, and if we don't see, like, at least for me, if I don't see, like, you know, those sack numbers go down even just a little bit, like, I... Again, you also got to just, you know, the eye test is also a big thing as well, too. Like, I, I watch Russell Wilson. Like, I'm going to watch how he plays, but I just think that sometimes he tries to do a little too much. And But how do you know that's only him, though? You When you have Pete Carroll as a coach, you know how crazy that fucker is. I, I get what you're saying, He could man. be like, hey, Russ, try to do this for us because, you know. But that's my point. They've tried to, like, tailor the offense to, like, things that he does well or, like, get guys or like build the offense and build the offensive line around around the fact that he's going to probably try to break the pocket and scramble. My thing is that he just does it too often. He just tries to do too much. Well, maybe, maybe adding Ger- Gerald Everett in the offseason will give him another option to throw to in the passing game. But um, that's enough time on Russell Wilson. We're going to get to Sean and I, number three guy. I don't know where you had Josh Allen ranked, but he's my prediction for MVP next season. Josh Allen, I mean, I think... 
sky's the limit for this kid. And based on how he played last year and how he is playing in the preseason this year, I think he can only up his game with Stefan Diggs. And I think they added someone else in free agency as a receiver as well. But I think it was Emmanuel Sanders, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Emmanuel Sanders. They got Gabriel Davis, Cole Beasley, the anti-vaxxer. You're, you're a fucking idiot. A lot of vitriol for an ex-Cowboys, Sean. Yeah, no. Um, Probably the best slot receiver in the history of the Cowboys. And the worst rapper of all time. Hey. But that's besides the point. Anyway, um, yeah, like you said, Josh Allen is a stud. And Jalen Ramsey is going to have to eat his words from back in 2018, 2019. Whenever he said Josh Allen was trash, he is not trash. He's very, very good. Real quick, just the same Jalen Ramsey that's getting cooked by Hunter Renfro in practice, correct? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just... Yeah. I have Josh Allen at four. Like I said, he has to be consistent. But, I mean, he did make a 1,500-yard improvement from last season. So, like, that's nothing to, like, look over. No, no. I think confidence was a big thing for Josh Allen. You know, coming out, for, um, he wasn't the most accurate quarterback in the world, but he had all the talent and all the tools. And I think he finally was able to, you know, get a little bit more confident in his throws in the, in the intermediate and down the field and – um, the Bills really uh, saw the fruits of their labor. I think we're missing the real point here, and I think Josh Allen really took the step when they added Stefan Diggs. You had a bona fide number one receiver on the team. Your numbers better go up. Like Yeah, 100%. And um, Stefan is amazing, and the pairing has been a match made in heaven. So, like you said, Josh Allen, definitely an MVP candidate for this year. Um, not mine, per se, but uh, I think any of these next two guys... Uh, with one winning the MVP last year, could definitely be in the conversation this year. And either way you rank these two, I mean, if you want to put one ahead of the other, I'm not going to argue with you. And that's Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. Any way you slice it, these guys are the top two quarterbacks in the NFL, right? 100%. Mm. Eh? No, I'm sorry, you had Russell Wilson at number two. Mr. Mm. Sackalot. Yeah. Uh, please, explain why you don't have Patrick Mahomes at two. No, I have Patrick Mahomes at one. I have Aaron Rodgers at five. Oh, wow. Really? Poor KY. I'm going to be real. There's no, like, statistical analysis behind this. This well, is just, like, a gut well, feeling. Well, por que nos dos, Jordan? Like, I'm, I'm very upset that you don't have him two here. I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to pretend to know what that means, but I just feel... This is why I feel like the other quarterbacks are ahead of him, is because I feel like he's going to take a dive. Just a gut feeling I have. Like, he's going to... He's he's gonna he's not gonna be like terrible. Like he's, he's gonna is he gonna intentionally suck? Because that's what mean that's what taking a dive means. I don't mean it like that. Like plummet. Like his his play is gonna drop. Yeah, his play is gonna drop. Cause he is getting older. He's getting up there. And you really think we're gonna have two Tom Brady's in the league at the same time? I'm gonna be honest with you, Jordan. I am Aaron Rodgers for me is one of those quarterbacks or just one of those players where you just you don't doubt anymore. I've um. I've actively rooted against Aaron Rodgers twice in playoff games and was burned both times. So Yeah, Sean, as a Cowboys fan, knows a little bit about Aaron Rodgers. So I refuse to doubt anything that Aaron Rodgers can do. Um, there's no reason for me to believe that he's not going to have another ridiculous year next year. But there is a point where it stops. There is a, I think he's reached his ceiling. I think his ceiling was last year. Because of just how crazy he was. If you think that Aaron Rodgers' ceiling was last season, at the age that he's at, why can't he get better? Exactly. If his, if he's not past his prime, if he's still in his prime and he's still getting better, what makes you think he's going to take a 
crazy drop this year. Because the years prior to that, he had like an average of like a 90-something QB rating. And what was his this year? 89? 128 was his this year. Oh, his QBR rating, yeah. Yeah, but... That's like, his it's, NFL it's the same thing rating, with Josh Allen, you know? He has to consistently do that if he's going to be considered a top three quarterback. I mean, though. we're talking about Aaron Rodgers here. Like, Yeah, the, I get he's like a Super Bowl champion. Yeah, I'm a Steelers fan. I know. But, <laughs> like, he's he's potentially the greatest quarterback who's ever thrown a football. I'm just gonna, Tom Brady's still in the league. I'm just going to rattle off. First of all, I think Aaron Rodgers has a lot more arm talent than Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady just has that killer mentality that he can just take it to you whenever he wants, like Michael Jordan was used to be able to. But Aaron Rodgers, at age 38, I think this is? Yes. Was first in the league in completion percentage, throwing more than 70% of his passes. He had almost 4,300 yards, was a, yard, was a yard shy. He was first in the league in touchdowns with 48, and he was 32nd. Now, mind you, there's maybe only 33 or 34 quarterbacks that played all year in interceptions with five. Yeah, you could say this is statistically his best year, but that would be scary because he's just getting older. But he's getting better. He's getting better as he gets older, Jordan. I but just, it took three years for him to get better. This isn't his first MVP. No, it's I get what, that, and like I said before, this is just sure. a gut feeling. There's, there's no. I'm not even looking at statistics. The statistics are like goat numbers for a season, I guess. But like, I don't know. Just something in me feels like he's gonna have a drop off this year. All right, I'm, I'm just saying, don't be surprised if we come back to this in uh, at the end of this year. I will eat crow if I. Yes. I, will eat, I will get a real-life crow, and I'll eat it. Fair. Okay, you guys heard it here first on the Heat Arrivals podcast. Jordan will literally eat crow if Aaron Rodgers does not have a great year this year. I'm here for that. So let's finish out our list by getting into your guys' number one, my number two, Pat Mahomes. I personally feel like he was kind of exposed last year. I mean, you can talk about the tackles being bad or whatever, but I feel like him and Russell Wilson share some similarities where he just throws to two people, where it's Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Now, there are other weapons on that team, but outside of those two, no no one's a game changer. No one's going to win you a game unless your last name is Hiller Kelsey. Well, I hear what you're saying, and I think you're right. The uh, The book on how to beat Patrick Mahomes last year was out a little bit, and I'm not saying that that's going to work for everybody because there were other you know, big factors that played into the Super Bowl. And know. not every team has two stud pass rushers like the Bucks do. And catching them on a night where they don't have both of their starting tackles is definitely something not to scoff at. Exactly. But. but I think for every quarter, this goes for every quarterback. If you beat up any quarterback early in the game, that is going to affect them for the rest of the game. I'm sorry. It just is. Not Eli. It, I mean, I guess. <laughs> but that's a conversation for another day. But um, any quarterback is going to get flustered. I don't give a shit who you are. And... Yeah, when you um, play from behind, it just adds the pressure because you're on a strict time limit. Yeah, exactly. You got to force things. You got to try to make and even that's more not, plays. I think the Super Bowl actually proved to me Patrick Mahomes' greatness in the throws he was making. Like, yeah, he was like really good like during the regular season, but the Super Bowl, like he was giving it all to get to these receivers. I think that another reason, I agree with you, Jordan, but I think that another reason why you could say he's solidified himself as a top two quarterback is because... If you watched that Super Bowl from start to finish, even with two minutes left in the game, you thought there was a chance he was going to come back. Yeah. <laughs> Only Pat Mahomes is capable of being able to do that. With two minutes left in the game, down by three scores, you still were kind of like, eh, it's not over. Yeah, I mean, realistically, you're like you said, there's two, three quarterbacks I feel comfortable that could bring me out of that. One of them being Patrick Mahomes, one being Tom Brady, and the other one being Aaron Rodgers. So 
it really doesn't matter how you slice it, but that top two, you could put them 1A, 1B. Those two guys are just so far ahead of everybody else that it's not even close. I think the next closest possibly skill and talent-wise could be Josh Allen and potentially maybe Justin Herbert. But, I mean, Tom Brady, yeah, he's the GOAT, but physically, he's not keeping up with those guys. No, not at all. Um, and that kind of closes out our uh, top 10 quarterbacks episode. I think this was a good one. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun doing this one. Jordan, did you uh, did you have fun today? Yeah, I did. It was a nice time. Let's not get it twisted. There's going to be more top 10 lists in the future, and Jordan is not only going to make his appearances on top 10 lists, but for right now, worked out well. Yeah, definitely. We'll definitely be doing more of these top 10s for a bunch of different sports topics. Um, we'll actually even throw it to you guys and see what you guys want us to do a top 10 about, so stay tuned for that. Be sure to follow us on our new Twitter page, at HeatedRivals15. Uh, be sure to like all of our posts on Instagram and follow us wherever you guys listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, Anchor FM, wherever the hell you're listening, just make sure you're listening. So, for Sean Robinson, Zach Durkin, and Jordan, thank you guys for listening to the Heat Arrivals podcast. Take care, everybody. Peace. Don't do his ass.